Well, good morning again. We are glad you are here with us as we are continuing our teaching series called Practice Makes Progress. Let's say that out loud together. Practice, Practice makes, makes progress. progress. And so what we've been really addressing is this idea that we're not aiming uh, for perfection because ultimately perfection is found in Jesus. So we're looking to him, we're running after him. But in order to live an integrated life with Jesus, what we want to do is we want to find these practices in our life that aren't limited to certain aspects. In other words, we don't want to live a compartmentalized life with Jesus because he cares about every part of us. So we're talking about spiritual aspects. We're talking about mental aspects. We're talking about emotional aspects. We're talking about uh, relational aspects, financial aspects, physical aspects. We're talking about it all, all right? And so we've took the last three weeks to talk about the spiritual aspects. And today what we're going to focus in on is the mental aspect because Jesus deeply cares about every part of who we are. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that as we enter into these conversations, we invite people who are what I would consider experts in their field. I know Tom wouldn't say that of himself, but I will say that of him. But Tom Miller uh, is a, a mental health expert and he professionally does this type of work in a variety of settings. Uh, and Thank you, honey. <laughs> oh, oh, get these guys a room. All right, so, <laughs> so with, with that in mind, I, I wanted just to, to, to take a moment for you to understand how we're going to do this. So the first week of this is what we want to do is, is really lay the groundwork of mental health. Next week, Tom will be back to share more around this area because it's such an important area. And we're going to jump into a couple different questions today. But before we do that, Tom, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I just want to put out there that uh, a little bit, I mean, this is a, a common thing uh, that people say these days, but I really want to put out a trigger warning that we're going to be talking about mental health issues. We're not going to get very deep, so don't be afraid. But um, be aware of yourself, be aware of the kind of situations and, and things that you have been through personally. So just if you need to take a time out, if you need to, whatever it is, step out, put your head down, um, whatever it is you need to care for yourself, do that. And those around you, um, you know, those around them, if you see that happening or if that's you personally, know that you are perfectly accepted in Christ and you're, you're among friends. Amen. Amen. Well, Tom is a good friend of mine as well. A lot of wisdom on this area. And we've shared many, many things um, around leadership, life, and this topic as well. And so what we want to do is we want to jump in and just allow time for uh, a conversation because so many of you participated in giving us helpful insights and feedback around this. So we really appreciated you doing that. That was awesome and really helped frame out this conversation. So we have a list of questions that Tom and I have worked on together in order to best serve you um, in order to help in this area. So the first question is this, what is mental health, Tom? Well, that's a good question because it, it, again, it's become popular, uh, I think in recent years, but it's not something that we fully understand. Um, we're also gonna talk in a few minutes about the stigma associated with mental health and mental health issues. But I think, Joe, in order to really understand uh, that question and that answer, you really need to look at uh, a graphic here that uh, I'm going to have Robin put up. This is how we are made. 
We are body, soul, and spirit. And I believe this is scriptural. I believe this is a, a demonstration of how God has made us. Um, there are people that are not Christians in the field of mental health who acknowledge this setup. They acknowledge this, this type of persona that we all embody. So you can see there's three distinct parts. There's body, soul, and spirit. And uh, those of you who were here last year when I spoke about this time, um, you might remember me talking about this. And these, these three parts of us are inextricably linked. We cannot separate any part of this from who we are. If we do, we, we try to in our society, right? We, we see the brain as God. You know, logic is God. We see the body as God, you know, having a good physique or whatever or taking care of my body as a God. We worship a lot of things. You know, even spiritually, we can get into practices that uh, go beyond what is in Scripture, what we find in Scripture. So these three things never separate. If they do separate, that's called death. That's what we know as death. So uh, mental health is simply um, being able to pay attention to those things. And if we take a look at the body, the soul, and the spirit, and we take the soul itself, and we break that down into what it is, it actually consists of three parts. And our soul um, is the Greek word suke. That's what it comes from. And it really means our thinking, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Those three parts. So again, paying attention to those three parts of us is something that's important within our mental health. Um, looking at uh, how do I think? What are my thoughts? What are things that pop into my mind at, at different times that totally don't come from me? <laughs> what is some stuff that, that has nothing to do with me as a person, um, but that it comes in? Um, what is my will? What are the things that I want to do? I want to put my energies towards, you know, sometimes, conscious, uh, or sometimes unconsciously, but most of the time consciously. And also, what are my emotions? What do I feel? How do I feel about, usually about the first two, or just in general, what am I feeling? And then uh, mental health, this is my quick definition. Mental health is simply our mental and emotional response to changes in our functioning or our environment. You know, we, we complicate this so much in our society. Um, we think, uh, well, we don't know what to think, right? People run from mental health issues. What, if I could put the question out there, what are some reasons that people think that we do that? Why do we run from mental health issues? Shame. Okay. Why else? Say that. Stigma. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Fear, ignorance, lack of understanding. It's not visible. Okay. I often use this, this example when talking with clients. If you had a broken leg, what would you do? You'd go to the doctor, and, or you'd go to the hospital, and people would repair that. You know, people would help you with that situation. Mental health is not uh, necessarily the same type of issue. Yeah, and as we continue that conversation, I think really important what Tom was saying, even about the difference between going to a medical doctor 
or dealing with a mental health issue is that usually the way to fix a broken leg is step one, step two, step three. But when you're talking about some mental health pieces, there's other dimensions to that. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that's what you were getting at yeah. when you said that. Well, that, that leads us to this question. What part does stigma play into properly dealing with our mental health? Um, a huge part, uh, because as was just brought up, we need to overcome that. There's so many, uh, even within our own families, within our own mind, within our friends, within our society, um, within our, our schools and our workplaces. Um, there's lots of things that come against somebody who is seeking good mental health or is just trying to understand what is going on with their own mental health. Um, there's a lot of very complex issues that, that happen and people don't necessarily, in our American society, take the time to understand that. So something that, that stigma brings is shame. And for the reasons that everybody has mentioned and, and others too, I'm sure that you can think of, um, but I, I pose this question to us on a continual basis to ourselves, why is this an area of our, why is this area of our being so often made fun of or avoided or shunned? You know, and I, I use that last word intentionally. We do, when we fear something, we push it away. And we individually, and we within families, within friendships, within networks, we do. We push um, mental health issues away. And I, you know, without getting too deep into things, I think a lot of times our society is, is structured around that dynamic of just keep going, just keep pushing. You know, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Um, it, it, you know, that we laugh at that, but yet that is something that we're taught to do. We're taught to not pay attention to our mental health and that part of us. Yeah, and I think even as we look at that, I think the important part, as Tom has mentioned, is uh, I think identifying for us that last question. You know, what, why is this one area of our being so often made fun of or avoided or shunned? And which one is pretty common for you? And I want you to be thinking about this because it's, t it's tempting and really it's applauded to repress this aspect of our lives, right? And I think this is what Tom is getting to when he talks about ignoring it. So as we continue on here, did you have more on no. this area? Okay, good. I, I just don't want to cut you off here. Um, I mean, I'm usually the one talking, so I want to make sure I'm asking good questions here, you know? Uh, but but the, the other question of this is what have you seen as the stigmas affecting mental health for men right now? And that's a, that's a tricky question and it's a, it's a big question too. <clears throat> I think one of the things that happens in society, and I think we all see this, we might not be open to it or aware, aware of it or recognizing it, but um, society, we do this, we do the pendulum swing back and forth, back and forth. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to right ourselves. We're trying to find that balance, that sweet spot right in the middle. And as a society, if something wrong is happening in our society, we address it. But we're, we're off kilter. We're still off kilter. And with what has happened recently, um, with things like the Me Too movement and other things that I, I totally think are good, good steps, good 
ways of bringing a good focus on things that have been that have gone on for too long. Um, but with things like that, the pendulum has swung, and it swings at different times in different ways. And as it's swung, you hear things like uh, toxic masculinity. You hear terms that uh, devalue one person or people group or gender uh, over another. And they're trying to self-right, but it, if you think about it, it's man's attempts at trying to self-right. So it might not hit the, the mark. There might be elements of something, some movements and things like that that do, but not everything does. And consequently, I think men have gotten um, a bit of a bad rap. And, you know, I, I think the church um, somewhat has addressed this or they've stayed away uh, because they're very scared <laughs> of some of the things that, that it has addressed, these latest movements have addressed. But to, to find that sweet spot, to be addressed uh, right in the middle, that's something only God can do for us. That's something only Scripture can do for us. That's something only godly counsel and leadership can do. Not that godly counsel and leadership is perfect. That's not the issue. Well, it's not? It's not? No. no. But, sorry. sorry Thanks for clarifying. But um, <laughs> it, is, it is the method by which, or the, the relationship, I'll change that word, the relationship by which God addresses that writing and God man God is a true north and he brings us true every single time so that's the measure that that can help us yeah and I I want to encourage us even as we think about this whole area and I know Tom and I have talked so much about this um, really want you to know at Riverbend uh, we value the whole person right and you guys have heard me talk about this this is why we're in this teaching series currently you know, because I really believe, because we've disintegrated people uh, to a, a, a level of just one aspect, not the whole. Trying uh, to separate. We, yeah, we separate versus saying, how, how are we to be integrated? I think that shows up in a variety of ways. But I think when I talk to men, I think oftentimes they don't know how to enter into these spaces and conversations. And so what they end up doing, because it's a condition that they have... I've been brought into, whether it's culturally or our family of, of origin or the things that have been uh, said to us when we start to go to, to this, like there'll be something to the effect like, thanks for sharing, now get back out there. You know, <laughs> like suck it up, you know, suck it up buttercup, right? You know, like it's kind of like, all right, you know, thanks for sharing, but we got things to get done here. You know, you're, you're kind of slowing down progress. You know, I got something that I'm carrying over here, so... I really need you to pull your weight and not really take the time to, to deal with this issue. And, and again, there's nothing about uh, responsibility that we should take lightly or avoid. So please don't hear me say that. But I do think if we're not careful, we end up being crushed under a weight that we are not meant to carry the way that we often are taught. Because there's one truth north that God has for us. And so we need spaces to enter in, and you've heard me talk about this before, but to, to know our purpose and to walk in it, uh, to, to understand that we need guides, we need people who are ahead of us in the journey. And I know you hit on that with, with wise counsel, and we need climbing companions. We need others who are coming around us. And we need to find things that we could even do together as men, activities, hobbies, 
these things are important aspects that often are overlooked because of the sheer busyness of life and all that needs to be accomplished and done. But I don't want you to miss that if you're not careful, the thing that you think is going to take so much time and the thing that you are trying to avoid and not deal with long-term will impact you that much greater for the negative, not the positive. Yeah, Joe, I'm glad you said about the long-term because that's exactly uh, where I think we need to go in this conversation is we just, we're a Band-Aid. We're a Band-Aid society when it comes to, unfortunately, I mean, this is my own opinion, I think physical health, when we treat our physical health, we're, we're a Band-Aid society, but even more so mental health. We just throw something at it and say, okay, let's go, just like Joe said, and it, it's to our detriment. Um, I think one of the models for this uh, is in the book of Proverbs and Proverbs 23. Um, the whole book of Proverbs was meant to be a book of wisdom. And I really, really encourage you to get into it and, and eat. <laughs> it's like food. It really is food for our soul. Um, so in Proverbs 23, verses 6 through 8, we see this. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And here's the breakdown of what that means. This is what the miser does. He says, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit and waste your pleasant words. So that's a pretty graphic image. So when I think about that, I think, oh, this is great, Joe, this is fantastic. Did you make this? Did, they make, did Ray make this? Who made this? And, and I'm, I'm showering words of praise. <laughs> I'm showering words of praise and I'm giving, um, you know, thanks for, what, for something that is fantastic. But, you know, if Joe is, sorry, buddy, if Joe is like watching every forkful that I eat and I, I notice him doing that, you know, what happens to me? I start to get a little bit nervous. I start to get a little shaky. I start to think, are you okay? Do you really mean this? You know, is this for me? And, and this, is, this picture here, I think, of the miser is what can happen within us, too, is sometimes we get divided between different parts of us. You know, there's a, there's a theory in psychology, which I won't go into, but basically it has to do with parts and that we are... Um, we are people, but we exist in parts, and the parts is in our thinking. And what that basically tries to get to is, hey, are your parts working together? Are the different parts of you working together? And here, this illustration with the miser, you know, we say this all the time, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I believe this is what it points to, is there's times when new, no, when things are are kind of weird, things are out of control. There's something in my heart that is uh, expressing anxiety or expressing fear or doubt or depression or grief or any one of a myriad of um, mental health issues that, and yes, those are mental health issues, that uh, we don't necessarily uh, pay attention to in our society and we miss out. We miss out because of that. But I, you know, this, this next slide uh, is something that Joe used a number of weeks ago, and I think it's great to really um, refocus us uh, and put our focus back on what God is doing in all of this, in all of our confusion, 
in all of our questions that we have in all of the things that we don't know what is going to happen next, sometimes from minute to minute. Um, his design is for redemption. When I, when I was a, an early Christian, that was one of the biggest things that I latched on to, is that, wow, God, you mean, you mean everything? You're redeeming everything about me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And that might take a lifetime for that to unfold. That might take plenty of, of seasons and years even for all of that to unfold. But yes, that is God's design. His design is to take us in our sinful state and take the brokenness that is the result of that sin, bring the good news, and we recover and we pursue. We get closer and closer to him, and as we do, that's how we become more and more like Christ. You know, we, I used to have a big, big battle internally. You know, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be more Christ-like. And I was a young believer. And over time, I've gotten to see, you know, God just saying, slow down, rest. Come after me. Come unto me, all who are weak and weary. My yoke is easy. So it does take work. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. Um, it does take work, but it's an easy yoke. It's not a hard yoke. That's really good. Well, I know you mentioned this scripture. Um, is there any other passages you wanted to mention at this time? Yeah, um, Psalm 23. Yeah. Uh, you know, Psalm, to me, Psalms and Proverbs are kind of like bookends. Um, they are different expressions. One is an expression of wisdom. One is a, an expression of sometimes lament or crying out. So you have wisdom over here, which is like book knowledge and do this, don't do that. Hey, this, stay away from this. And then you have, oh my God, I need you in the night, you know, morning, evening, and noon, different times that, that uh, the psalmist is crying out. So I think read together, they're really, really a powerful picture of uh, our humanity and gives a way for God to really explain, hey, I, I get your humanness. I get who you are and where you are. Um, so reading this psalm, this, this, we're all familiar with this, the 23rd psalm. And there's a couple of key points that I want to point out here. And there's a really good... Uh, expression of this by a gentleman named Alan Parr, P-A-R-R. -R. And you can find him on YouTube. He does an excellent breakdown of Psalm 23. And many of you might have heard pieces of uh, a similar teaching. But, you know, I want to focus on a couple of different verses here. The second line, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We don't always know what we need. Right? Is there anybody who always, 24-7, you know what you need? 365, I got it. I got this. Um, that you can say that. No. No, there's none of us who exist in that state. We are constantly uh, searching. Our brain is like searching, 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 searching for the next answer, for the next thing that's going to give us peace. Even as believers, I think we do this. They're constantly seeking for something to quench that, that fire in our soul. 
that is really looking to, for God, really looking to be close to him. Um, but we're, we're all seeking. And sheep, you know, you, you might have heard uh, other people teach this before. Sheep are not exactly the, the smartest of animals. So they can get stuck, like a head stuck in a fence or a foot, um, you know, or stuck down in a ravine or something like that. So they need a shepherd. They need somebody to guide them. They need somebody to help them. Um, if we just skip down to your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we pretty much know what a rod and a staff is. A rod is basically a long stick. And that stick was used to fend off animals. So there's an element of protection that goes along with that. Sometimes that stick was meant to, you know, kind of coax uh, the sheep into the way that they were supposed to go when they were getting off track. And then um, the staff, my understanding of it is it had a round uh, loop at the top. And, you know, parents, you probably can relate to this. Sometimes that loop was meant to grab and <laughs> yank back the sheep because they didn't understand what they were doing. Same as, you know, parents with your kids that you do at times when you see danger coming and they don't recognize it. We are the same way with God, exactly the same way. And the psalmist is saying, that literally brings me comfort. <clears throat> Getting jerked back because the psalmist is realizing what that does for them. They're realizing, okay, God, you love me. I get it. This is, this is what you're doing. This is what you're providing for me right now. The guidance, the care that you're providing for me right now really good. So as we think about this, if our mental health is part of who we are, does God have a way of providing for our mental health? And I know you mentioned some of these already. Is there anything else on this that you wanted yeah. to touch on? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get to some other things in uh, next week's message too, but there's some, basically some very simple, um, in the beginning anyway, some practices, some Christian practices that can help us mm -hmm. And these, oddly enough, you know, I've, I've been um, honored to be able to study psychology for a number of years. And psychology and scripture are, they are parallels. They really are. You have uh, all kinds of, on the psychology side, you have people with all kinds of theories about how we're made and, and how we think and how we can be helped. But those, uh, most of those theories very close they mirror uh, scripture so um, so here's the first practice you know that's why I love this this series Joe because it's practice um, practice makes progress uh, this is the first thing that we can do is we can be kind to ourselves you know this is something my wife says all the time um, I hear her when she's talking to people just be kind to yourself and then she explains so the first thing that that is up there is, yeah, don't expect anything from yourself that God isn't expecting of you. I could write a list of what I expect from myself that God is not anywhere near expecting. I think we all could. We all could. I invite you to do that as a, as a good revealing exercise sometimes. And just see what you are really expecting yourself to do 
or expecting yourself to be that God is not necessarily expecting you to do or to be, or at least maybe not today. You know, we're, we're given, I'll speak to this next week, we're given 24 hours every single day. We get new mercies, the word says. And the sun rises and the sun goes down. And we do things that are outside of that 24-hour period in our, in our brains. We do things that are outside of that 24-hour period, and that leads to a lot of different things. Stress and anxiety um, are the top two. So here's the second thing, is to take time for yourself um, by self-care and paying attention to and fulfilling your needs. What would it look like if instead of that little gnawing thing that was in you today that you didn't take time to do and is still gnawing at you tomorrow, what would it take? What would it look like if you said, "Okay, I'm going to pay attention to that. Let's give it a couple minutes." God, what are you saying to me? How do I need to care for myself? Whatever that is, whether it's to sit down and listen to music, whether it's to stare out the window, which I like to do, whether it's to sit someplace warm with the sun shining on you, um, whether it's to go see a friend, uh, you know, get some companionship, whether it is to pray, um, whatever it is, what would it look like if we literally took the time? I'm a, I'm a believer that God gives us the time in a day to be kind to ourselves. I don't think he would ask this of us if it wasn't there provided. And I think we still get caught up in things that are, are beyond that. So that's one of the practices. Uh, here's another practice. Don't go it alone. Um, this is such a, a trend, obviously, that we have entered into in our world. This is uh, partially results of COVID, but I'm not going to credit it entirely to that. I think we have become a society that has continued you know, COVID just stomped the foot on the accelerator of what we are already headed towards is just being insular to ourselves as a society, living in our homes, um, living in our, in our minds sometimes, not being able to uh, rub shoulders with others. You know, you, you were meant to care for yourself. You weren't uh, meant to be alone in doing that. You can't. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> you can't. But you also can't care for others by yourself. You can't do that alone either. And then here's the last practice. Set your alarm. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, well, let me ask the question. Why do you set your alarm? To wake up? What do you got to wake up for? There's things that you value that need to be done. Like, I got to go to work, right? <laughs> I got to earn a living, okay? So we set our alarm to make us aware of something. And God's intention for us, as we saw in that graphic, is always for us to be transformed. Romans 12. Uh, Joe, do you mind looking up Romans 12? I think it's 6 through 8. Um, Romans 12 speaks about that. Looking it up as we speak. 
I'm there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Do you uh, read it? The section on the renewing of the mind. Oh, okay. So that would be verses one through two. Here we go. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> so it says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will fi find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior of the world and the customs of it, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay. So how are we transformed? By what? Renewing of our mind, and how do we, how do we get our, remind, our mind renewed? Say it again. Yeah, yeah. That's how we get our mind renewed is by reading his word. That's the, the top. We can listen to, to great teachers, and I do that often. Ask my wife. <laughs> I listen to that all day, just about every day, um, because my soul is hungry. I want to feed my soul. But just reading his word is how we get our minds renewed. You know, we, we are always, again, as a Christian society, I think, we are looking towards the next big thing. We are con our radar, again, is constantly on, is what can solve this problem for me? What can solve this problem for me? And we skip right over the most basic of things when we do that. And those are that reading his word is the thing that transforms us. And sometimes that's a scary proposition to say, oh, you mean I'm the problem? You mean I got to change? And God lovingly says, I want to change you. But in order to change you, you have to read my letter to you. You have to understand my ways. It really is, you know, can anybody else put their hand up and say God's word really is transforming? As you read it, it reads you and you get more of his mind, more of his understanding, and you become something different than you were. I don't know how that happens. I'm grateful it happens. But it does happen. And there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. It's really awesome. So as we think about this, I really want to encourage you to take these practices. Because again, the whole point of this series is to find practices week over week that we can start to do. And a lot of what, what Tom said to us today, they're, they're very doable. They're attainable. If you have the intention to follow through with it. And so I want to encourage us to do this because again, our whole person matters to God, right? So we want to, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And a lot of, again, that, that starts even by thinking about his expectations versus my expectations, which was one of those practices. The other part is finding relationships, doing it with others, not trying to go it alone so that we can receive care, but also give care. But then to allow ourselves to set that alarm so that we have that reminder to jump in his word and to be renewed from the inside out. So as we think about this, what I want to do is I want to invite us uh, to enter into a moment of prayer. And first of all, can we just thank God for Tom and just the gift that he is. We're grateful for you, man. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way up as well. And as we do so, you can stand with me. We're going to pray together. Father, right now, we just want to come before you. 
And we thank you that you're in the business of renewing our minds. We thank you that you're in the business of restoring us as we um, pursue and go after your design for us, that there's redemption of every part of us. And Lord, I'm just thankful for that. I'm thankful for that reminder. I'm thankful for the fact that we're not meant to go at it alone, um, that there are ways in which uh, life has been made and created for us to experience it with one another. And Lord, I just pray for each of us. I think that if we're honest, this is an area that's hard, and it's maybe even at times uncomfortable for some of us. And sometimes even, unfortunately, there's stigma with the church that we're not even supposed to go there, which is totally unbiblical and not true. So Lord, we just pray your voice would even overtake that. And Lord, I pray as we work through this, I pray that we would sense your good care for us, that you're the good shepherd, wanting to shepherd us, wanting to lead us, wanting to walk with us. We can't wait to see how you use this, Lord. We're thankful for the ways that you're already at work. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.